Thank you for joining us today. I'm Todd Eckler, Chief Marketing Officer at Fiduciary Trust Company. The combination of near record low interest rates, the prospect of higher income and estate tax rates, and changing personal goals for some presents an opportune time to reassess your wealth plan. In today's program, we'll discuss attractive wealth transfer strategies that benefit from the low interest rate environment, approaches to mitigate the impact of potentially higher income and estate taxes, and key financial and estate planning elements of a robust wealth plan. I'm joined today by Jody King, who leads Fiduciary Trust's wealth planning practice and is also an attorney and CPA. Welcome, Jody. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here today. Before we delve into wealth planning strategies, I think it'd be helpful for you to describe what a wealth plan is and how can it benefit an individual or family? Absolutely, Todd. A wealth plan is a personalized plan. It's built around an individual or family's personal and financial priorities, and it provides both a sense of empowerment and a roadmap for meeting the family's goals. At Fiduciary Trust, we approach this in a five-step process. The first step involves identifying personal priorities through an open discussion with appropriate family members, often two spouses. This discussion does not focus on limitation, but instead explores what is important, both today and in the future. No two clients have the same priorities, but there are some common ones, such as retirement, creating family memories, educating family members, transferring wealth, and being philanthropic. This step goes deeper, for example, than just looking at when someone wants to retire. It asks what retirement should look like for that person. Where are they living? What are they doing? Who are they with? After identifying personal priorities, step two is translating the personal priorities into goals that can be articulated and planned for. For example, if someone says that they would like to create family memories and connections, what does that really mean? Does that involve a special family place, such as a second home? Is it travel? Other experiences? And if they say they would like to be philanthropic, is it financial or a time commitment, or both? Who is involved? Are there multiple generations involved? Only after goals are articulated does step three commence, which is a review of financial resources. Sometimes there are more than sufficient resources to meet all the goals, but many times there are not. Many families have no idea how much they are really spending to support their lifestyle. This step also involves a review of how assets are invested, both at fiduciary trust and elsewhere, and a review of trust provisions so that beneficiaries understand the trust terms. Developing an understanding of resources available is paired with developing an understanding of resources needed. Once financial resources are understood, step four involves the articulation of any obstacles that may exist in meeting the goals identified back in step two. Finally, the final step focuses on the creation of a roadmap and the implementation of the plan for meeting the family's goals. This may involve saving more or spending less, buying a second home, updating beneficiary designations, purchasing insurance, funding a revocable trust, charitable planning, or updating an estate plan. No two families' roadmaps or implementation is the same. A wealth plan is never done. It's an ongoing experience that should be reviewed and updated periodically. It needs to evolve along with the family and the family's goals and with the environment, as we're going to talk about today with taxes changing. 
That's a good segue, Jody. Clearly, a wealth plan is, is never completely done because there's changes in personal priorities and there's changes in the environment. And as we alluded to earlier, there are uh, changes with the Biden administration. They're proposing some changes in tax and other laws. And what are the key provisions in their plans, which, if enacted, could impact wealth plans? Absolutely, Todd. There's a lot of provisions there that could impact wealth plans. One of them that most people have heard about are changes to the ordinary income tax rates, um, with ordinary income tax rates possibly being increased for those with incomes over $400,000 per year. This could be a combination of an increase in the top marginal rate, which is currently 37%, maybe returning back to the old 39.6%, or it's also possible there could be a compression of the tax rates. You know, believe it or not, with this increase in ordinary income tax rates, something we'll talk about in a little bit is it could be a good time to consider a Roth conversion if you have substantial traditional IRA assets and will later be subject to a, um, a required minimum distribution, which is, again, taxed at ordinary rates. The other thing that's being proposed, or one of the other things, is to broaden the 12.4% Social Security tax so that it applies to wages beyond a given limit. Today, the 6.2% Social Security tax is paid by both the employer and the employee on the first $142,800 earned. Then no Social Security tax is paid after that. But there's a proposal that once incomes go above $400,000, and that's you know, employment earnings go above 400000 that 6.2% employer and employee-based tax could kick in again and essentially be assessed for larger W-2 earnings. There's also discussion about an increased capital gains tax rate and dividend tax rate. This one could potentially increase the ta those rates from 20% for federal purposes up to 39.6%, which is essentially the top ordinary rate, for incomes over a million dollars. There's also proposals for changes to itemized deductions. One proposal is to eliminate the cap, the $10,000 limitation on state and local income taxes and real estate taxes and other state and local taxes. The benefit of that would be for those that are paying more in taxes could now begin to itemize again. But there's also talk that, that could, the ability to deduct and the benefit of deducting on Schedule A could be limited to maybe 28%. So someone could be in a 39.6% income tax rate, but their deductions would only garner a 28% benefit. There's also talk potentially of reinstating the P's limitation where there's a phase out for higher income taxpayers on the amount that they can actually deduct from Schedule A. Some things that are probably not done by most people, there's talk of maybe eliminating the like-kind exchanges for real estate. There's also talk of a, possibly a phase-out for the qualified business income deduction, which is put in as a 20% deduction. And again, that would likely apply to incomes over 400000 Charitable deductions are an area that has changed a bit as well. There's a law en enacted in December of 2020 that allows for up to $300 of a cash donation to a charity to be deducted and up to $600 for a couple that's marrying filing jointly. But you don't have to itemize to benefit from this deduction. Instead, it's an above the line deduction for those cash donations. So for people that don't itemize, they can benefit by giving some amount to charity, up to $300 per person, $600 for marrying filing jointly. It should be noted that those amounts cannot be given to a donor advised fund or a private foundation, but need to go directly to a charity.
So Jody, thanks for going through the income tax changes and some of the other um, deductions and, and other changes that are going on. Now, estate taxes is another area where there's some potential changes. Could you talk to us about where those are and, and how they might change? Absolutely, Todd. And this is one that can affect a lot of wealth plans, especially wealth plans where wealth transfer is one of the priorities and goals that come out of the planning. Currently, each individual can transfer up to $11.7 million estate and gift tax-free for federal purposes, either during their lifetimes or at their passing. There's talk that this number could be adjusted back. The number will drop to half of that with inf inflation adjustments as of December 31st, 2025, if no legislation is put through. But the Biden plan calls for pulling that back farther and sooner, possibly back to 3.5 million instead of the 11.7 million that we currently enjoy. Now, it's not really clear if that is done this year in 2021, when it would be effective. There's some concern that it would be effective January 1st of 2021. So people that are making gifts now based on the 11.7 million during 2021 need to take that into account as they're making their gifting decisions. I think the other big one that people are talking about in the estate tax realm is a step up in basis. Now when someone passes and an asset is included in their estate, regardless of what they paid for the asset, what their tax basis is, the basis in that is stepped up to the then fair market value as of the date of their death. There's discussion that that could be taken away. And so there would be what we call a carryover basis instead, where whatever the donor paid for the, and has the tax basis in would be, trans, would be the basis that is transferred to whomever the asset goes to in their estate. The likelihood of that actually passing, it's been talked about for many, many years in many different ways. The likelihood of that passing, I can't possibly guess, but it is something to be aware of and it'll be something that we deal with as we need to. Clearly, a number of uh, potentially significant changes on the estate tax front. Now, what about the corporate tax rates? There were a number of changes a few years ago on that front. Are those likely to, to change under the Biden plans? So that's a really good question. Um, there's, there are proposals clearly related to the corporate tax rates. Tax rates might increase above the 21%. They were lowered a number of years ago under the previous administration to 21% as a top rate. Um, there's definitely talk of pushing that back up, maybe something closer to 28%. It's kind of unclear exactly where that would land. You know, there's also talks of kind of having more of a tax on multinational corporations, maybe a bit of an reinstating the AMT tax there with a 15% tax rate. It's kind of unclear exactly, again, what will pass. And the timing on any of this is really uncertain, you know, due to the economic stresses on many businesses as a result of the pandemic. So, you know, the administration and Congress will be balancing, you know, the need to raise revenue with the need to keep the economy stimulated and obviously corporations spending money on taxes and paying in taxes, they can't reinvest in their businesses with that, those dollars. So there's a real balancing act that needs to go on. And exactly how that will play out or when that will play out is a little uncertain. Yeah, it is a, it's, a, it's a tricky time right now for planning because, as you were saying, there are a number of things that are on the horizon, proposals that have been talked about, but, but these changes haven't come to fruition. They need to be you know, made more specific, they need to be voted on by Congress, approved, and so forth. So wh what does that mean for wealth planning? Are there certain changes that 
in any scenario make sense to go ahead and move forward with in anticipation of changes or should you wait and and then react when certain things, if and when certain things occur? Absolutely, Todd. And there definitely are actions people can and should take. People need to proceed cautiously with gifting beyond the the annual exclusion gifts. Remember, annual exclusion gifts, you can give up to $15,000 per year to as many individuals as you wish. That's $30,000 if you're coupled that elects gift splitting. You can also pay medical, um, make gifts for medical treatment or for health insurance premiums directly to the institution that's providing services. You can also make tuition gifts directly to the institution that's providing the education. And none of those count essentially as annual exclusion gifts or in the annual exclusion gift number. So you need to take advantage of that gifting opportunity that exists. If you're going to gift beyond the annual exclusion gifts and kind of beyond medical or beyond tuition gifts, you need to proceed cautiously if you're going to be gifting kind of beyond that three and a half million mark or if you've already used at least that much in prior gifting, because you could end up paying a gift tax if they decide to make any changes retroactive. And again, it's unclear exactly how that will work or if that will happen. You know, I mentioned earlier about Roth conversions, and this is something that I think people should really think about, particularly if you have either a federal taxable estate or if you live in a state um, that has an estate tax for the state that's below the federal exemption. I would encourage someone to consider converting all or a portion of their traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Again, if your state's going to be subject to federal or state estate tax, if you believe that income taxes, ordinary income tax rates for your situation will increase over the years, if you believe your beneficiary will be in a higher tax bracket than you are currently, if you think that asset values are low today compared to what they might be down the road, and if you you need to if you're going to do this, you need to be able to pay the conversion um, income taxes from resources other than your IRA assets to be most tax efficient. If you're naming a spouse as your beneficiary, you may that be a factor in kind of not converting potentially. If you're naming a trust as an IRA beneficiary, you know that that's a consideration when you're looking at how that would play out. And make sure you're doing that and kind of taking all that into account when you're doing it. You don't want to convert if you're going to need the assets during your lifetime. Or if you know you're going to need them, if you're planning to spend them, I would not necessarily convert. Or if you plan for your IRA assets to pass to charity. A traditional IRA is a great asset to leave to charity. And if you're planning on doing that, I would not consider a Roth conversion for that portion of the assets. I think, you know, the thing to remember with a Roth conversion is that taxes are paid when it's funded. So as you move the money from the traditional IRA to the Roth IRA, you're going to pay the taxes. And then you enjoy tax-free growth, not tax-deferred growth, on those amounts. You're never required, you as the individual or as surviving spouse, would not be required to take required minimum distributions from that Roth asset versus the traditional IRA you would be and your spouse would be. Distributions when taken out, if you take them out and meet certain requirements or uh, when your beneficiaries take them out later, distributions are income tax-free. And you should know that most non-spousal beneficiaries, when they inherit a Roth IRA, will have a full 10 years after your passing before they are required to take the money out. Because that's 10 years of tax-free growth kind of beyond your lifetime. And that can be very powerful when you extend that out over time. So I would very seriously consider that depending on your situation. The other thing I would suggest is to consider... If you're setting up a trust or if you have a trust that could be kind of moved to a different state, you should look at 
tax favorable trust jurisdictions, such as New Hampshire. The benefit to that is you can avoid income tax, a state income tax. Again, you avoid the state income tax on income if it's not distributed and on principal. So if you have large capital gains, you would not pay a state income tax on that, for example. And when you do that and you look at that for a long-term dynasty trust, it can be very powerful with regard to the tax savings that are with that. And then there's a lot of other great reasons to consider some of the tax favorable and the trust favorable situses when you look at some of the asset protection and um, different things that you can benefit from that. So I would consider you, you know, looking at that depending on your situation. Thanks, Jody. That's useful to lay out those different elements of things that you can do even in the period while we're waiting to see what changes might occur with the, the Biden administration. One of the things that's been prevalent in the current environment has been that we are in a low interest rate environment. We are near record low interest rates, and that obviously can be a challenge on the wealth planning front. There also can be some opportunities. Could you just talk a, a bit about what are some of the implications the low interest rate environment has on wealth planning? Yeah, absolutely, Todd. And you know, there's a number of um, opportunities that are very specific to the kind of low interest rate environment that can make the wealth transfer techniques favorable. But I think for those that aren't transferring assets, you know, you need to think about how your investments are invested, you know, how what your asset allocation looks like, and make sure your investment portfolio is aligned with current market conditions, and that it's aligned with your goals and your family's goals. With a lower yield on investments, so lower income being generated by investments, you know, sometimes you have to step back from the income-only spending approach and really kind of take more of a total return cash flow approach and to recognize the fact that you might be better off investing in something that's going to have growth but not generate income on an overall basis in the long term. But just make sure that you're spending your withdrawals from that portfolio um, are in check with what is realistic about how the portfolio is going to grow and allow it to continue to grow and not pull too heavy on the spending. But sometimes look at it in a way other than just simply an income-only withdrawal rate. Thanks, Jody. Clearly, this is a, a, a challenging environment in terms of the income that you get off of uh, fixed income investments and the yield on portfolios. And that total return approach is really an important way to look at things. Now, there's also some benefits of the low interest rate environment in terms of strategies that you can use to transfer wealth. Can you talk about what some of those options are? Absolutely. Um, one of the things I'm seeing people doing in this low interest rate environment is intrafamily loans. Um, you can loan you know, any amount that you're willing to do to a family member. And the lowest long-term AFR rate that we have right now for February of, tw February of 2021 is 1.45%. So you can essentially loan money to a family member in a long-term loan situation, be it a mortgage or be it just a loan that they, you know, do whatever um, is appropriate with, and they can pay you 1.45% interest on that. If you have a situation where that loan, you know, that, that loan is invested and then it grows and they pay you the interest back and they pay you the principal back, the, you know, whatever amount you've loaned to them, that growth, you know, a lot of assets will grow beyond 1.45%. So there can be some pretty powerful wealth transfer with that where you actually keep what you've loaned them because it comes back to you along with the low interest and 1.45% in this case. 
but the growth then goes to the family member. So that's the wealth transfer technique. There's also something called a grantor retained annuity trust or GRAT that can be very attractive in this low interest rate environment. And in this case with a GRAT, you as the grantor would establish the trust, you would transfer assets into the trust, and then you would receive annuity payments back from the trust for the term of years, maybe a five-year term. It could be The terms could vary as far as the length. And you'd receive an annual payment back from that trust. And then after you receive back what you put in, plus a very low, what we call a 75-20 rate, which right now is 0.6%, you get the income back on that piece, so the growth of 0.6% on what you put in plus what you put in coming back to you. The growth beyond that then would transfer to family members or trust for their benefits at the end of the trust term. And if you have an asset that grows at a rate greater than the 0.6%, which many assets do and will, that can be a very powerful way to transfer wealth to family members. And both of those techniques that I've talked about, the interfamily loans and the grass, don't use any of that federal gift tax exemption amount that I've spoken about. You can do them in a way that you don't use either one of those. So that can be pretty powerful regardless of how much you've already gifted or what you're, uh, how you're working on that with your view of how the tax laws may change. The other thing I've been talking to people about is some businesses have been impacted by the pandemic and maybe the value of their business is depressed right now compared to what it really is. And if you really think it's going to come back, that can be a, a good asset to consider a grat for or maybe to consider a sale for because as long as you sell it to a family member at current fair market value um, with appraisals and etc or even gift it potentially um, at current fair market value with appraisals you know that can be a good way to transfer wealth to family members too if you think it's going to be worth more later thanks jody that's really helpful we've covered some ground here in terms of potential changes in the, the tax laws with the Biden administration, some strategies you can take now. We've talked about the low interest rate environment and some things that um, you can do from a planning perspective. What are some other wealth planning strategies that are often overlooked that people may want to consider? You know, I had talked earlier about the gifting and the power of gifting is often overlooked because if I transfer something today to someone, you know, a family member, I'm not only transferring that asset to them today, but if they invest that asset, I'm transferring the future growth to them. So if I'd kept that asset, that growth would have been in my estate or in my hands. But if I transfer it to them today, that growth will be in their hands. And so it can be a very powerful way to transfer wealth to the next generation. You can do this with a complete gift or possibly an incomplete gift, depending on your situation. The other thing to consider is utilizing a trust as an IRA beneficiary. A properly drafted trust, and if you did this historically, by the way, with some of the changes in the laws under the SECURE Act and the distribution provisions and how that's affected, you may want to revisit that, or you definitely should revisit that with your trust and estate planning attorney, because the provisions that you thought would work in a certain way may not work that way anymore under the changes to that tax law. But that is a strategy that can be quite powerful and quite um, dynamic with regard to how you can transfer wealth to family members using a trust coupled with an IRA. Thanks, Jody. Yeah, that, that can be a really compelling strategy. We've seen a lot of interest in people looking at that as, a, as an option, in the, particularly in the last you know, six or nine months. So as, uh, to, to kind of wrap things up here, what are some of the best ways to move forward? What's a good way to get started in, 
updating your, your wealth plan and moving forward. So if you have a wealth plan, pull it out, look at it. Let's make sure we've implemented what it is and make sure what may have changed in your life. And so, you know, reach out and let's have a discussion about that. I always encourage people, if it's been a while since you're, if you can't remember what your estate plan says, if someone were to ask you, does your estate plan reflect your current wishes? If you can't respond to that with a resounding yes, then you need to revisit your estate plan because it may not be what you think it is, or it may not be what is appropriate under current law or under your current assets or your current situations. I always encourage people to regularly review your beneficiary designations. Beneficiary designations for life insurance, for 401ks, for IRAs. Make sure your estate plan, as I mentioned, is up to date. And the key components of an estate plan that you should be reviewing is your healthcare proxy. Make sure the appropriate parties are named to make decisions for you if you cannot make decisions. Make sure your durable power of attorney names the appropriate parties, again, to make decisions for you. And that needs to be someone you trust implicitly because they can essentially act for you for legal legal purposes. You know, they can open bank accounts, they can sign tax returns. And so that's not a power to give lightly. And make sure, you know, the right person is named as the executor or personal representative in your will. If you have a trust, review the terms of your revocable trust and make sure that the right parties are named, you know, as the trustees of those documents and the various other roles that may be in there. Um, just review all of that. You know, if, if it's helpful, reach out to your fiduciary trust contact and we can send you a wealth planning checklist of just some of these things that you want to step back and kind of look at, you know, make sure your risk management's in place. This is something else that I talk about a lot. Um, you know, make sure you're having your umbrella policy in place and it has adequate coverage for you. Um, also part of risk management is if you haven't, frozen your credit. You should pull a credit report. Whether you're frozen or not, you should pull a credit report, but pull a credit report, review it very carefully, and consider freezing your credit for you and your loved ones if you haven't done so already. Thanks, Jody. Those are very useful pieces of advice, and appreciate your taking the time to go through all of these different areas today. Uh, to our audience, I want to thank you for joining today. I hope you found today's discussion useful. This is a challenging time, and at Fiduciary Trust, we have extensive wealth planning, investment, trust, tax, and other expertise to help our clients navigate through it. I encourage you to access some of our knowledge through insights on our website at fidtrustco.com forward slash planning dash insights, as well as through reaching out to a Fiduciary Trust officer if we can be of assistance. If you don't have a Fiduciary Trust officer, please contact Rick Tyson, who's one of our officers who can assist you. He can be reached at 617-292-6799 or tyson at fiduciary-trust.com. Thanks again for joining, and we wish you and your family health and well-being. The opinions expressed in this material are as of the date issued and subject to change at any time. The materials discuss general market conditions and trends and should not be construed as investment advice. Any reference to specific securities are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended to be and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. Nothing contained herein is intended to constitute investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice, and viewers should discuss any proposed arrangement or transaction with their investment, legal, or tax advisors. Copyright 2021 Fiduciary Trust Company.